you're listening to Mysteries Beyond. What mysteries lie beyond the reach of our senses? And who are you in this vast multiverse? Hello, and welcome to Mysteries Beyond. I'm your host, Laura Lavender. Recently, I've been thinking about the masculine and the feminine energies. The masculine energy being the one that protrudes, right? It's the one that penetrates. And the feminine energy is the one that receives. It's receptive. My favorite example to use to demonstrate these energies is the one of the speaker and the other of the listener. Because as I'm speaking right now, you could say that I am embodying that masculine energy. As I'm speaking, my voice is protruding, and you as a listener are embodying that of the feminine energy. You are being receptive. It's that seventh hermetic principle that we're seeing at play here, the law of gender, which states that all things have a feminine and masculine element. It's also demonstrated in the concepts of the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. The conscious mind, of course, being the masculine energy, right? It's that protruding energy. If I tell you to think of a red apple, you are consciously choosing to bypass any and all other thoughts and conjure up that image of that red apple. But about 90% of our actions aren't governed by our conscious mind. They are governed by our subconscious mind, that feminine energy that takes it all in. So all of those logos, all of those commercials, all of those symbols and sigils are seeds being implanted into your subconscious mind. And that little seed will grow and grow and grow until it manifests. So those are just a few examples of how the masculine and the feminine energy are presented. I do, however, want to focus on the feminine energy today. And within the feminine energy, you'll also find another hermetic principle, the law of polarity, which states that all things are dual, everything has a pair of opposites, and those opposites are identical in nature, but differ in degree. So, for example, if we were to put light and dark on a spectrum, you'll find them at opposite ends. They're identical in nature, just different in degree. And so when we're talking about the feminine energy, you have what many like to refer to as the light feminine energy and the dark feminine energy. The light feminine energy is the one that we're all mostly familiar with. Think of that saying, love and light right? She is intuitive. She's compassionate, receptive, forgiving. She's empathetic, emotional. She's graceful, nurturing. That's the light feminine energy. That's the role model that we're constantly being told we need to aspire to become. You see it everywhere. You see it in television series. You see it in movies. And it's what society and our families tell us to be. You're not supposed to be heard before you're seen, right? So don't be loud. Or 
You're not supposed to be aggressive and confrontational. You're not supposed to be threatening. That's not very graceful. That's not ladylike, right? The dark feminine, on the other hand, is creative. She's passionate, seductive, fearless, powerful, and transformational. I think the most important quality there is that she is, in fact, transformational. But you see, a lot of the times, this archetype of the dark feminine is villainized. So, think about that movie, Snow White. You have the princess, who is supposed to represent the light feminine energy. And then you have the evil queen, who is supposed to represent the dark feminine. Or Sleeping Beauty, for that matter, right? You have Aurora, who represents the light feminine energy. And then you have Maleficent, who represents the dark feminine energy. So my point to that is that both the evil queen and Maleficent are portrayed as evil. I know I'm kind of stating the obvious because, it, well, it's, it's in their name. The evil queen and Maleficent, meaning to cause harm or destruction. But this is where, and perhaps why, Many women today have many misconceptions about what the dark feminine is. By the way, I briefly want to mention that I did write a blog about what the dark feminine is. And if you want to go check it out, you're welcome to do so. It's up on my website, www.mysteriesbeyond.com. And the reason why I wrote that blog and why I'm even doing this episode on the dark feminine in the first place was because I was inspired by what I saw on social media. I kept coming across videos of women wearing dark revealing clothing and heavily done dark makeup, announcing that they're in their dark feminine energy, aka villain era. And honestly, I don't think that they knew what they were talking about and it was rather disappointing. And it's unfortunate, because they are probably, unconsciously, continuing to misconstrue the concept about what the dark feminine really is. But part of me doesn't blame them, because that is what the programming has taught us. Allow me to explain. These women on social media are probably thinking that the dark feminine is a, a scapegoat, a sort of free pass, right? That allows us to be the absolute worst versions of ourselves and that it justifies our damaging behavior towards ourselves and others, but it's not. And so then the dark feminine is used as an excuse to be promiscuous, to be insolent and cruel. But you see, that's not power at all. Those are actually wounded aspects of ourselves that are projected onto others that need healing. It doesn't mean that we get to go around being a jerk to everyone and claim that we are in our dark feminine energy and then attempting to disguise it as us standing up for ourselves. Nope. Sorry. It doesn't work like that. So, going back to the example of the evil queen, the reason the dark feminine 
is villainized is because to find her and to connect with her, you have to do shadow work. And if you don't know what shadow work is, I did do an episode on it. Feel free to go check it out. But basically, it's all of your fears, all of your traumas, all of your insecurities, basically everything that you've suppressed. And of course, that includes all of your emotions as well. So all of your, like I said, fears, all of your anger, your jealousy, all of your sadness. If you've ever suppressed any of that, especially when you were younger or as a child, that is what created your shadow side, your dark side. And when the shadow isn't worked with, it creates this imbalance within you. And that's when it manifests into this damaging and destructful behavior. So if we look back to the example of the evil queen, we are shown that one of her greatest shadows is her jealousy towards Snow White. She wants to be the fairest of them all. And so, yeah, we do see her as the dark feminine her shadow side coming out to protect her. Well, her ego anyway. Only in her case, the evil queen didn't do the great work. She didn't do the shadow work to have her transformational outcome. Instead, the shadow took over and led her towards destructive behavior and ultimately her demise. And so that's why I said that I don't really blame these women on social media for misunderstanding the concepts of the dark feminine because that's what the programming has taught us, that it usually leads to destructive behavior. Very rarely are we shown the transformational stage of the dark feminine. Although, this might be a little bit off topic, but it just popped into my head. When it comes to the dark masculine energy, and the light masculine energy. A great example of the dark to light masculine energy transformation is in the movie Beauty and the Beast. But we can talk about that in another episode. All right, well, I do want to go over some of the archetypes that embody this dark feminine energy. And I think it's important because archetypes are a tool that we can use to help us better understand the world at large and at the same time our own inner world. So the archetype of the dark feminine can be traced back all the way to ancient civilizations and mythology with figures such as Lilith, Kali, Isis, and even Santa Muerte. And whenever anyone thinks about the dark feminine, the first that comes to mind is Lilith. And for those of you who don't know who Lilith is, she is said to be Adam's first wife. She was created with the same material that Adam was and at the same time. However, Lilith was never submissive to Adam because she saw herself as his equal. And so to summarize her story, she ran away and was casted out of the Garden of Eden. And eventually was later demonized and became known as Lilith, Queen of Hell, Mother of Demons, the Succubus, the Bringer of Miscarriages, 
and child killer. But today, she's behind many feminist movements. Because of all that she represents, she stood up for herself. She stood up to Adam and God. She is brave, passionate, seductive, fearless, fierce, and transformational. Her transformation happened when she decided to walk away from the Garden of Eden and everything that came with it. Her transformation happened when she went from being powerless, taking her own power into her hands and becoming powerful, not when she became demonized. Another thing that I'd like to point out that came to mind when thinking about Lilith and her being known as the first succubus, a female energetic vampiric-like being who takes advantage of men in the middle of the night for her own pleasure, is that the dark feminine is typically portrayed as a sultry being, meaning a female who is sexy and very comfortable with her sexuality, but can unfortunately be very easily and dangerously be misconstrued. I think this is a major point in where, again, we have this misunderstanding about what the dark feminine is. Because yes, the dark feminine is very comfortable with her sexuality, but it doesn't mean that we can use her as an excuse to go around and be promiscuous. Because that can have a lot of damaging effects, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally. It does mean, however, that you can be very comfortable with your sexuality. You should embrace it and not feel shame about it. And if that's one of your wounded aspects, then yes, work on it in healthy ways, of course, and shine some light on that shadow so that you can have that transformational outcome and be comfortable in your own skin. All right, so the next figure I'd like to talk about is that of Kali, or Kali Ma, the Hindu goddess of creation, preservation, death, destruction, and time. So obviously there are many versions to her story, and I feel I have to make an episode on her because she is a fascinating figure. But to summarize, in one version, she was brought into existence by the goddess Durga, a warrior goddess with ten arms. It is said that this goddess got so mad and filled with rage and wrath that anger exploded from her forehead into Kali. And once Kali was manifested, she appeared as a black-skinned goddess that went wild with bloodlust and consumed all of the demons on the battlefield on behalf of the goddess Durga. She then strung their heads on a chain, which she wore on her neck. But even after she defeated and slayed all of these demons, her rage could not be quenched. And it wasn't until she accidentally stepped on her husband Sheba that she came to her senses. One moral that you can take from this story is that sometimes our rage can become so uncontrollable that we end up hurting the ones we love. 
Kali is another one of those goddesses that is greatly misunderstood. To many, she is evil because she is the personification of death, destruction, and time. But what many fail to understand is that she is Kali Ma, Kali the mother. She is also a nurturing goddess because she is also a goddess of creation and preservation. She is considered to be the feminine form of time and the nature that brings all things to life and death. She is now also associated to sexuality. But an interesting fact about Kali Ma is that originally her stories were not. In fact, she was actually a celibate goddess practicing her sternness, her austerity, her willpower. And it just goes to show you that the dark feminine doesn't necessarily have to mean or have to do with anything regarding sexuality. But you know, since we're on the topic of the dark feminine and how the concept is easily misunderstood, another example just popped into my head and I feel compelled to show you. There is a song by a young female artist named Dove Cameron. The name of the song is called Breakfast. And in this song, the chorus references Kali and her origin story. Here, let me play just a little clip for you. So in case it wasn't as clear as it could have been, the lyrics say, So you want to talk about power? Let me show you power. I eat boys like you for breakfast, one by one hung on my necklace. They'll always be mine. It makes me feel alive. So, like the goddess Kali, who slays them all and wears them around her neck. And I believe that this song is disguised as empowering, but it's not, because the dark feminine doesn't manipulate men. Because if you have to manipulate men and keep them around because it makes you feel alive, then I'd hate to break it to you, but that is just a wounded aspect that is being projected onto others that desperately needs healing. The dark feminine calls back her power, takes back her power, and chooses to work on herself. She doesn't feed her demons. She acknowledges them and chooses to rise above them. But moving on. So how does Santa Muerte fit into all of this? How does she fit into the dark feminine? Well, she herself, like Kali, is also a mother. She is creation and the personification of time and death. Before we are born and after we die, we exist in the cosmic womb. 
the state of chaos and potentiality. And because Santa Muerte is seen by many as an extremely powerful force, equal to that of God, therefore making her not under him. And because she's not under him, that implies she is her own force. She stands alone. She is powerful, she is fierce, and transformational. But because Lilith, Kali, and Santa Muerte all have a reputation of being inferior, independent, and basically the representation of the rejected, the undesirable, the forbidden by society, these wild and untamed divine beings are then equipped with abilities that allow them to transcend. Their frightening aspects and behaviors threaten the stability and the order of society. And they put us face to face with the unpredictability and the wildness and the chaos of the universe. They teach us many uncomfortable lessons about our own human existence, which ultimately are empowering. And there are still many others like Isis, the Egyptian goddess, and Medusa. But I hope that this episode was more enlightening than it was confusing. And if you have any questions or if there's any feedback or if there's simply anything that you just feel like sharing, you know where to reach me at. My email is lauralavender.mb at gmail.com. Or you're welcome to friend me on Instagram at lauralavender.mb and or on TikTok, same handle, lauralavender.mb. And feel free to reach out to me on there as well. Which reminds me, I do want to give a quick shout out to Ariana who reached out to me on Instagram. So, hey, Ariana, thank you so much for doing that. I wanted to let you know that I did enjoy reading your stories, and if you have more, please go ahead and share them with me. And please don't feel bad if I don't answer you right away, because I also have a full-time job, but also mainly because when I do receive your guys' messages, I like to take my time to read them carefully and give it the attention it deserves because you guys took time out of your busy schedule to reach out to me, so I certainly appreciate that. Oh, and also before I forget, go check out the website, www.mysteriesbeyond.com. I did add two new sections on there, one being a blog, where I wrote a little bit about the shadow self, about what the dark night of the soul is, the dark feminine, of course, and also about religion, hell, and spirituality. I'll be adding more to that section and also creating a new one as well in the near future. And thank you guys so much for listening to Mysteries Beyond. I'm your host, Laura Lavender, and I'll see you guys next episode.